You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York Brian. Scott. <laughs> Things are looking bright, aren't they? Things are too hot. Too hot to handle today. <laughs> uh, for our listeners out there, Brian is wearing what appears to be his daughter's sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> they don't... There's nothing particularly feminine about them, but they're maybe a tad undersized. Right. I'm trying to just feel cool. You know, this helps, I find. It, it's helping you feel cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel That's like that. The mind that I need for our show. It explains a lot about pretty much our entire lives that, <laughs> that this is what makes you feel cool. <laughs> I feel like going back, <laughs> things make a lot more sense now. Right. Choices that were made. (laughs) (laughs) I do find it interesting, too, that you were a hard no on, like, a Stitch Fix shirt. But those sunglasses, right, ready to rock. Right. But, you know, I'm not wearing these, like, I'm wearing them ironically a little bit, you know, so that's a big difference of what what I'm willing to do for the sake of my comedy. What I'm willing to do just in the name of fashion. How millennial of you to wear ironic sunglasses. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out Uh, to all our millennial fans. I'm tired today. I don't know how you're feeling. I went out on Saturday night. It was a friend's 40th birthday party. And, you know, I got after it. Like, a lot of drinking. Got home late. And it's, what, it's Tuesday, right? Yeah. I still feel it. You still feel feel it. Terrible. I feel unhappy. (laughs) Now, was this like kind of your first foray back into society? Not. This was the biggest return to society. I mean, I was in. It was like where we had our own private room in a bar, so we weren't necessarily mixing with you know the mongrels and who knows what their vaccination status was. I think most everybody here was vaccinated. But, I mean, it was an indoor party, no maskless people dancing, having a good time. I mean, it was fun. It was nice to be a return to society like that, you know? How on your mind was COVID? Not at all. I got to say, I didn't think about it. Yeah, it just, yeah. just it's like, all right, we're just back. disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like I've dipped my toe in, so I went to, like, the movies. I've got... I've, had dinner indoors, uh, went to a party at somebody's house, although that was outside. But so I'm starting to like dip the toe and, you know, it's just like the cases around here have dropped to such a level where I do feel like, what am I worried about? I have this vaccine. I'm very well protected. If my kids aren't here, it's pretty unlikely that anything's going to happen, right? I suppose so. I, I, (laughs) I mean, it feels like what they're telling us. I just feel like, I don't know what my hesitancy is. I mean, I am getting back out into the world too, but I do feel like it remains in my consciousness, you know? Yeah. It's I, nice. To, I will say it's been nice to be social again. You forget how oh, it's yeah. nice to be and joke around with people and make people laugh. You know, it's actually, this is funny too. I, most of the people I, you may find this that I hang out with now or see are like people I know through my kids. Yeah. And 
even that, like people who I've become relatively decently friendly with, I still, even them, I'm mostly hanging out with them either with my kids present or <laughs> at kids events. Like, you know, where like, you know, you can loosen up and maybe joke around with people, but you're not like your full self. You're right. Right. So I was at this party and it was like, this birthday party for these people we've met through my kids, but the kids weren't there. We were just at their house drinking, having a good time. And I, and the guy like said to my, said to his wife, like Brian was on fire last night. <laughs> <laughs> and it just occurred to me like this guy's never hung out with me really when I'm like actually comfortable and have right. had a couple drinks and letting loose. And so I was like, you know, in a mode that I a gear that I'm able to go to sometimes at social gatherings. Uh, but it was just funny like he's only seen me as like another dad and i was like right yeah like you know you can know people for like a good amount of time without them like really seeing the full picture oh yeah there's no question about that i mean you know it's also funny so wait uh, because so the 40th birthday party first of all the 40th birthday party circuit is like the wedding circuit like, oh my God! Why is I know everybody doesn't get a party? Like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants a party. I know. Fifteen years ago, we're going to everybody's wedding, and now it just feels like fortieth birthday party invites are in my email like all the right. time. And everybody wants it to be a surprise, and it's like, guys, somebody only one of us gets a surprise party. <laughs> everybody doesn't get a surprise party. <laughs> Actually, that was interesting. Because I wasn't sure. I saw you sent an email. Uh, our one of our friends' wives emailed, sent out an email about his fortieth birthday. And because his wife sent it out, I assumed it was a surprise. And then you sent an email where you had dropped her from the chain, and added him. I guess. But oh I. God, did I do that? That's. I what, thought he was. I thought he was on it already. No. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? He texted me about it. Oh, and okay. She originally had said it was a surprise. Well, Lou Tuning, if you're listening to this, happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> I hope I didn't spoil the surprise. Um, but oh, no, he was on. All right, he was on. on yeah, right, he yeah, was on the original okay. one. Okay. Okay. I, but I saw that, and I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> Is that he, okay? It's, no, it was originally a surprise, and then he had texted me about it. So I was like, oh, I guess it got blown. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, that's good. I was worried. I was worried about that, but I I know what you mean. Like I've had a a couple of parents. I had like a parent I was friends with, and I was uh, I can't remember what I was doing. I was like telling him a story about a football game I was coaching or whatever, and I was just describing it, and he was like pretty shocked. He was like, "Oh wow! Like sounds like you were getting kind of confrontational." And I was like, "Yeah, I was." And he was just like, <laughs> it "Seems so unlike you." And I'm like. Not totally unlike me, actually. Right. Well, like you, the in- interactions you've had with me are not don't lend themselves to confrontation. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's funny. Yeah, but I, I do, I agree that um, that I, I'm excited to get back out there. I mean, there's going to be fireworks tonight. Just for what? Uh, oh, right. I forgot. You're you're actually a resident of New Jersey. Those of us who live in Brooklyn and, and appear on Radio Free Brooklyn. Right. <laughs> uh, today, Governor Andrew Cuomo, um, he, he announced that because the 70% of adults in the state have gotten at least one dose of the vaccine, and that was sort of some threshold that they were holding on to, and since we met it, there's going to be fireworks this evening. 
Oh, right. Yeah, so this is like the great, the grand reopening. I think I heard about this. Yeah, something like that. Well, that's exciting. I just hope the rest of the country doesn't blow it for everybody. Um, God, I'm so sick of vaccine hesitancy. I'm even sick of, I'm not only sick of the people who aren't getting it, I'm even sick of the people who have gotten it but express less than total enthusiasm for it. Right. <laughs> like, I just, everybody shut up. They're a miracle. They work. They're safe. Like, shut up and get it. And don't even, don't tell me about why you even were ever hesitant or had some second thoughts. Like, no, just get your place in line. Right. And get these stupid shots. And also don't tell me about some person that's a friend of a friend right that had like extremely mild side effects right like their hand went numb for a minute it's like okay well are they okay now oh yeah they're fine well then shut up right so then you mean nothing happened <laughs> nothing happened don't tell me that story i don't want to hear it i don't know i've tried to be empathetic to this point of view i can underappreciate it the profit motive how it corrupts things and why it's scary for you and i get it to some degree but shut up but also the stupid thing right a hundred percent because also the profit motive motive thing drives me crazy like that's where you're drawing the line in american life on on like you know that this is where it's getting out of control is this the vaccine like Like, this thing at least has benefits there's like chemicals in our frying pans that give you cancer there's right it's like you can't escape there's no like buy a coca-cola it's probably got poison in it there's arsenic in your gatorade like this is the this is the safest thing of ways you can participate in modern life so just shut up (laughs) (laughs) do so you trust everybody though vaccine hesitancy aside i'm not hesitant about it i never was i got it the second i was eligible to get it but do you trust that it's okay to go back out there obviously you do i guess you've been out there yeah, I do. I think we're there. Like, all right. I, I mean, you're already like have a, a low, uh, you know, we're already low risk of who we are, what age we are. Now we have this vaccine that's like exponentially improving our odds of not having an adverse reaction. Like, I think we're pretty good in the clear. Like, I'm a little worried about my kids and this Delta variant. I rather they didn't get it. On the other hand, you know, they're, you know, kids really don't get very sick. And it's very unusual. You know, like, I, and it's funny, like, this is tricky. And, like, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm just a jerk talking completely out of my ass <laughs> and from what I've gauged on Twitter. But, like, somebody did make a good point that, like, kids just don't die from stuff because they're kids. They're not supposed to die. Like, kids don't get <laughs> lung cancer, but you're not going to give them cigarettes right now. You know, like, and I was like, okay, that's a good point. Like, so the it's not that comforting is what it's saying to be, like, kids don't get that sick on the other hand like the flu is not good for kids to get but you know there's only certain so many protections that we you know and this is worse than the flu so i'm not saying that it's worse for kids but they're the your kids your unvaccinated children are almost as safe as vaccinated like adults okay oh is that is that true yes like vaccinated if you're like over 50 or something like that and vaccinated, your risks of dying of COVID are like the same as an unvaccinated child. You know? I see. Now, okay. you know, there's death, right? Like that's would be the worst, but also like <laughs> if your kid goes to the hospital, that's very traumatic, you know? So there's like, I'm not saying let your kids do everything. I would be, I'm still going to be a little careful with my children, 
would really prefer they don't get this. But it does seem like the risks are still pretty manageable. I wonder how they came out of this when it was the Spanish flu or whatever back in the 19... I know. Like, how did they know? There was no vaccine. It was just... Right. Just people... Well, I mean, eventually these things do, like, they just become, you know, endemic. And you don't... You get, the you know, enough immunity in the society that's not the same level like we were gonna, we're going to get we were get there without the vaccines the vaccines just sped up the process makes it so that we can do it with a lot less death so what you're saying is credit to president trump for being right about saying one day it'll just disappear yes right technically he was sort of right although not really it wouldn't disappear it just we'd stop dying in massive numbers after an, enough millions enough of people die have been killed <laughs> It would cease to be that big of a problem. But I don't know. I should caveat all of this with, you know, the strong scientific fact that I know nothing about what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's extremely but, unusual. Why are you offering opinions right? when saying so, that? You should just say it with full confidence, have t- right. absolute certainty. I should add that I am a very online, mediocre white man. So, <laughs> therefore, I have lots of opinions. And... They deserve to be heard. Well, welcome back to the world. And uh, actually, the, the very brief mention of our, our former president uh, brings us to the topic, Brian, of nepotism and people who inherit wealth and people who uh, inherit things. And, you know, uh, the New York sports scene is, is full of uh, mediocre sons, mediocre white men who are sons of... of you know, maybe probably less mediocre white men, but who still didn't have to compete with many other people of other ethnic descents. We're talking about <laughs> Hal Steinbrenner, son of George, and John Mara, son of Wellington. Yes. You know, isn't it fascinating that there was a period when the Wilpons were still there and Jeff Wilpon was very much in charge? And... I guess Woody Johnson to a certain extent, but all of the major New York sports teams were essentially being operated by like fail sons. Yeah. <laughs> like the Dolan, he's not eating. Right. He's the prize. That. He is yeah, the, by like, far the Steinbrenners, the Mara children, like all heirs essentially running these teams. Right. Um, and now that's with Steve Cohen, I guess that's not the case. But yeah, I mean, I guess as we talk about things returning back to normal in New York City, one thing that is not returning back to normal is the New York Yankees. No. And they are finding themselves in a, um unusual position um, of being kind of crappy. And, you know, when you look at why you see this Hal Steinbrenner character there, who is a very different figure from his dad. It's like a very odd, like it's very weird. You have Hank, who's very much his father's son, but is seemingly too stupid or too bored or whatever (laughs) to run the team. So he's not involved, but he's like the loudmouth kind of heir to that part of George Steinbrenner. But Hal is the more business guy, the savvier one. He's the one in charge. And he's a stiff. Yeah. And he has seemingly put this bizarre cap on the Yankees where they have to stay under the luxury tax for seemingly no reason other than he's decided it's a good idea to do so. Like there's no actual financial matter. Like you can't tell me the Yankees are in any danger of 
running into financial trouble if they go over this luxury tax threshold. And I know it's very punitive and all that, but like, come on. Zero, first, zero consequences for the Yankees organization to go over. Like, I don't want to hear about financial consequences. You sent me a link today about uh, Mackenzie Scott, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. is She donated $6 billion to charity last year and ended the year with more money than she started because of the stock market. Right. And, like... So I, you know, I don't. I'm not interested in the and in how punitive financially the luxury tax for baseball is to the Yankees and the Steinbrenners. Like I could care less. And you're, right. you're absolutely right. And and like I'm tired of also reading articles about it that say, you know, because it's not just like a one time, one time penalty or a one time tax. It escalates, and you know, I think there it does affect your draft position in, in some ways. But you know. Ultimately, who cares? What are you talking about? Are you letting us into the games for free? Right. <laughs> because if not, spend the money, for God's sake. Get out of here. Right. You're the Yankees. Like, you're, it's the value of that franchise goes up and up and up. You are in no financial danger because of the luxury tax. I just refuse to accept that. Like, that if they do that a couple of seasons, that. <laughs> Hal will be forced to, you know, sell his numerous penthouses or whatever he lives in the lap of luxury. Right. Um, and, you know, it's just interesting. Like he, you know, he and John Mara, like such these interesting characters where like, in some ways I do have respect for both of them. Like Hal does have a certain, he seems like a decent guy. Like he's not showy the way his father was. He's, I, I get the feeling working for him is not bad, you know, like, He's kept Brian. He's certainly let Brian Cashman run the team. Like he, he spends. You know, he's never. Sh he has spent money. He's let them go acquire Giancarlo Stanton, and he's, he's. You know, they gave Garrett Cole like three hundred million dollars. He's not pinching pennies necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, on the other hand. You know, there's such this, he carries himself with such this, like, inflated sense of a house, Steinbrenner. And, the, yeah, you know, it's like you're, you literally just, you know what I mean? Like, you sat there and all of this came to you and it's, there just couldn't be less difficulty in what you're doing. And, in fact, the team has not won a World Series since 2009, despite its advanced advantages. Um, it's been a very disappointing run the last six or seven years in many ways and and that he you know doesn't seem under any pressure to do anything about um and i don't know in many ways john mara a similar figure yeah and i think the the last thing you said is really the thing that stands out to me with the both of them is just this general kind of like lack of urgency about where the the franchises are at this point where like i'm you know and I, John Mara does upset me more because uh, the Giants matter a lot more to me. But I'm so tired of these press conferences at the end of the season where it's just like, well, you know, yeah, we're going to we're going to look at some things. We're going to make some evaluations. We're going to change very minimally. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're not going to sign anybody that big. We're going to be pretty mediocre in the draft. And then we're probably going to be pretty bad again next year. And then we'll do this process all over again. Like, fix it now. Right, right now, like act as though that if you don't fix it by tomorrow, you're going to die. And right. I, that's not a threat, by the way. But right. I'm just saying act with that level of urgency. And it's right. Like this imaginary salary cap that the Yankees have placed. 
it's just so stupid too, especially with the Yankees. Like the Giants kind of haven't really been that close the last few years, but the Yankees are in the postseason annually. So there's definitely a, a logical view here that we're we're just like a piece or two away. And and but that's just the idea that like, well, you know, we're coming right up against that threshold though. Like, who cares? Get any like literally anybody. Right. And Michael Kay, who is, you know, just really towing the party line here, uh, you know, he was saying like why he was saying like why would Hal Steinbrenner go over the tax threshold for a team that's not playing that well? Like and it's like so that they start playing well. Right. What are you talking about? Right, because there's another hundred games to go, and there's plenty of time to. Um, and who cares? And why not? Like, why not to try to be better? Like, sure, he could save that money and and view it as okay. We're not going to make the playoffs this year. So, but that that's just not the way the Yankees should or need to think. Yeah, not at all. And it, and it, and and it just it's <laughs> there are millions of people that it would really uplift their lives to see their team win a title. And just this idea that like Hal Steinbrenner doesn't want to go over the threshold. So we just have to endure all of July and August watching just, and that's, I think that's one of the problems with the Yankees right now too, is that I've, you know, I've been watching them more now that the Knicks have died their game of Thrones death. Uh, But they're just they're not even fun to watch like it, I feel angry while I watch the games there's definitely this weird like I don't know like a stale fart hanging in the air when you watch yeah. them or something there's just something bloodless about the about yes the team. like yeah just no juice there's just no one you really are drawn to um I mean judge is still there he's having a, he's having a good year he's great and, you know, I mean, look, it's like a little unfair, right? The Yankees have been incredibly good forever. Like, they haven't had a losing season since, like, we were in high school, you know? Right. <laughs> like, maybe even middle Before school. Before then, yeah, know. middle school. Yeah. Like, so it's hard to just, like, go crazy about it. Um, on the other hand, it just is self-imposed in this really annoying way, and they're just being run by this, like, chairman of the board who has this air about him that just seems so phony baloney to me yeah and if we could shift to the giants for a second too you know so i was looking at it because we're we're kind of have a weird setup with the giants right because we've won four we're one you know one of the original teams and we have four super bowls so you kind of think of us as like nfl blue bloods and and you know we have this history too. We do have a history, but it's very weird that four Super Bowl. It's a little deceiving in a, in a, in a weird way. So, us and Green Bay have four Super Bowls. The Niners and the Cowboys have five. The Steelers and the Patriots have six. So, of that group of six teams, of which we are a part of, with four or more Super Bowls, we have by far the fewest playoff games played. We're the only ones with a losing playoff record. And, like, when you go back in the history of the franchise, we have the lowest winning percentage of all those teams. Because a lot, like, we've had these four wildly successful seasons, but then there's been a lot of horrendous Giants football played over the years. Yeah, we're so up and down. No, I feel like we've we've talked about this before, but, yeah, I mean, we've had three miracle wins in the Super Bowl. Like, we were only the best team in the league one time. Yeah. And we won the Super Bowl that year. Like, (laughs) we've had truly one great team. 
Um, right, but and I've... the 1986 Giants were are leaps and bounds over anything else that we put on the field. Absolutely, but I just sort of feel like the Giants. You know, there's an air to these end of season press conferences that have become way too common, where it's just like, well, we're the Giants. We have a certain way of doing things. It's always worked for us, so no need for anybody to worry. And it's like, well, it hasn't always worked for us, though. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I agree with you, like. John Mara, there's something, and, and Hal, it's very similar. Because they're always in suits, it's like <laughs> these are very important men, you know? Like there's a Jared Kushner quality to these guys. Where, and, right, and that's, yeah. That's too much. Like, uh, you know, I do like John Mara in some ways. I respect him in some ways. But, like, there's an air of, like, John Mara, this super successful guy. It's just, like, not totally accurate. And, like, he's overseen a disastrous run here and – you know, Hal has not been as bad, but Hal has, you know, the Yankees have these innate advantages over the rest of their sport. And, you know, this has been, I would argue, like a depressing run for the Yankees. It's just like it hasn't been that thrilling. You know, it really, it just hasn't been that great. No, I totally agree with you. Like at some point, you know, because they're like what's been so disappointing about it, because you're right. It's hard to say, you know, it's disappointing when we've been in the playoffs pretty consistently in this decade, but it's just like, you know, we things were very promising and, and a couple of the exits from the playoffs were acceptable because you figure like, we still got a lot of talent. We got a lot of young guys. Like we'll be back. It's, it's no problem, but it is getting to that point where it's like, it feels like we're on the, the downside of that hill and we still haven't gotten to where we needed to get. And why is that? And I'm certainly not advocating for an owner like George Steinbrenner. I don't think that being that way is helpful to anybody. But, and I'm also not suggesting that Aaron Boone should be fired. But I think that the organization, both organizations could truly benefit from just an infusion of uh, urgency. Right. Of just like, nobody has months to kill. Right. It's, you know, whatever. If this Yankee season sucks. It sucks. This summer, you know, I'll do something else. And then if the fall, if the Giants stink, eh, you know, I'll find some other things to do. Maybe do some extra fruit picking with my family. And, you know, next year I'll be fine. Like, absolutely not. Keep me out of the fruit fields, John. Yeah, I feel like Hal should feel some pressure. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. Like, some pressure should be applied to him. What can we do to fix ownership problems? Because they're way too rampant in sports and like you know you the media can like pressure coaches out of town they can you know force players out of town how what do we do about the owners brian (laughs) nothing socialism i don't know (laughs) like something has to be done to sell blackmail them i don't know (laughs) 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 donald sterling all of them you know like secretly tape them um you know, there's nothing, there's not much to be done. Yeah. You know, it's just apply enough pressure that they're forced to make changes. And, but it's never going to be them that um, suffers the change. I wonder if the Knicks being good again will start to put pressure on some of the other New York teams. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, look, I mean, the New York teams know they have to be good, right? The New York media is pretty aggressive. Um, I get, although, yeah, I think, you know, we're kind of what we're talking about. The Yankees and Giants, for whatever reason, have this, like, less, um, I don't know, maybe they're given a little more benefit of the doubt. Um, 
But I mean, well, I know the Yankees want to be good, right? I mean, they they want to win it every year. They're they're like, um, it's just this weird constraint they're putting on themselves. Yeah, I don't know though. I I think I've said this before, but I do feel like the New York media has lost its teeth a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't know. I don't I don't really think that you know, McAdoo or Shermer was a casualty of the media. We just sucked. Like yeah. Why, like, the media, to me, was more involved in facilitating Jason Garrett's arrival than they were, than they are in, like, getting him out of here. There should be no way he's allowed in that building ever again. Like, how is the media not ever... I don't think Joe Judge should be asked about anything else. If I was in the Giants press corps, I would ask no questions that did not center on why is Jason Garrett here. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, there's definitely like a, a a duality to it. I think with the beats, like because they both need the teams and they're holding them accountable, and they they do. I think in both parts, like they can be cheerleaders at times, um, they can be enablers, and they can also, but they can also be you know aggressive and make it hard on them too. Like I'm sure if you work for one of these teams or you coach one of these teams or you play for one of these teams, like you don't feel like the media is, is not that's asking true. You hard questions and in your face every day. And um, that's true. And if you're I, in I the don't media, think you're wrong. Like I do think like there's something to that as well. And if you're in the media, uh, let me ask you a question. Cause you, you're more Twittery than me. I probably spend as much time on Twitter as you do, but I don't tweet as much and, and I don't have as many people following me. Do people at you? Not me. I mean, very rarely. Okay. Yeah, I don't have that, those kind of followers. <laughs> well, because I just, it's funny because I, you know, I look on, uh, like, or, you know, you listen to podcasts and you hear some of these guys talk. And then, like, I feel like everyone in sports media is always complaining about their Twitter mentions. And it's just like, people are out of control. And I'm just always kind of like, what do people say to you? I think it's pretty brutal. I really? think that is, people are very mean. And I think if you're like a woman in sports, it's really ugly. We, yeah, women, I could obviously, yeah, yeah. I think, but are very I think very if you're different. like a prominent Twitterer in sports media, it's like, it's a pain in your butt. Like, it really probably stinks. And you, I'm sure you get used to it, um, but it's probably pretty bad. <laughs> Imagine issuing a threat on Twitter. I know, right, of all the, a tweet, a threatening tweet. Right, why would you do that? Such a non-threatening word, but it can be a very mean-spirited thing. <laughs> mean thing. <laughs> um, did you see that in that athletic article I sent you by Mike Lombardi, who you know himself can be kind of obnoxious, but I feel like he all but confirmed the suspicion that Jason Garrett was forced on Joe Judge. Right. Have you changed your stance at all that Joe Judge must now own Jason Garrett? No, I think he has to. Okay. I think he's got to it's, – it's just as much on him as it is on Jason Garrett to fix the offense. That's my stance, really. That's interesting. He can't blame Jason Garrett if the offense stinks this year. I'm holding Joe Judge responsible. This is his coaching staff. Um, why don't we move into the Giants? I don't have much to say on the Giants, but – like what? What are you like? Are you paying? Are you reading the tea leaves in the Giants? You like reading what you follow training camp reports? I like. I don't know if I should even follow anything. I'm like, you know, it sounds like Saquon is going to be a little slow going this year, so we're not going to know what his status is until like right up till the start of the season. Like, I don't really. I don't know if I can tolerate having to read 
things from like Daniel Jones practice reps, you know, like good or bad. Um, I don't know. When do you start to pay attention? Yeah, I mean, pay attention is a good question. I guess around the time training camp hits. Right now, I'm treat. I actually, it's funny because I feel like I treat the Giants like I do how I watch them in the fall, which is like, like I'm not following the day to day tweets about training camp and and whatever. But then, like once the mini camp ended, then I just binge read like a bunch right. of stuff all at once and was right. just like, okay, I have a you know, a rough sense of, of what went on there. And, um, you know, I don't feel like there was anything that interesting. Like it's pretty drama free, you know, you kind of know who everybody is and who's going to start. Like, I don't feel like there's any major position battles out there. There's just like battles for cuts that guys I hope never play. Um, (laughs) but, but I do find it kind of interesting that, Essentially, the two most important units on a football team are our two biggest question marks. It's just quarterback and offensive line. Right. That's the two most important units on any football team, and that's our two biggest, like, well, I, you know, keep your fingers crossed, I guess. And yet, there has been some optimism. Um, Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football is thinks we're going to win the NFC East. Really? Yeah, because he says we just loaded up on – talent and i agree we did get some pretty nice young talent or pretty nice new talent into the building but we have a terrible offensive line and i mean daniel jones like you have just a massive question mark at quarterback right i mean is it unfair of me to say that in my book daniel jones stinks but i'm giving him this season to change my mind but i'm going into it like you stink (laughs) is that fair i think it's fair i mean he was terrible last year like why would you think he's good like every i so i like still have hope for daniel jones i still like like his talent but anytime i say that like anytime i catch myself really thinking that it's just like you just all you have to do is check a few things of like what people who aren't giants fans think and it's like you know what i mean like national media or fans of other teams like nobody thinks he's good Right. Nobody's like, uh, you know, no one in our division is like, well, we got to worry about the Giants because Daniel <laughs> Jones is going to, you know, like no reporters who aren't local reporters or even care what he's going to do. Like every list anybody's putting together of quarterbacks, they're putting him, penciling him near the bottom immediately. You know what I mean? Like no one's predicting a big breakout for him. And there's a few people who like him probably has his boosters. But, you know, it's like. I'm definitely giving him more of a chance because I'm a Giants fan and, like, what the hell else can we do? Like, if he's terrible this year, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right, because if you're a general Uh, dope walking around Philadelphia rooting for the Eagles. Right. Like, are you more – and this is – are you more worried about Daniel Jones coming to town or Fitzmagic coming to town? Right. Like, if you're a general dope, probably fits magic. And I right. can't even say you're wrong. For sure. You know? Yeah. Right. He's had better seasons than Daniel Jones had. <laughs> right. Many. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's just like anytime you try to be excited about it, it's just like you just get slapped in the face with like, you know, every time I look at his like football reference page, it's just like, you know. 
there's not a single good game on there last year. Like, there's just nothing to hold on to, you know, other than I do like some of his, like, skills. Like, I think he's fast, and I like his arm, and he's accurate. It's just, like, there's no game that he, where he performed well <laughs> right right none zero games from last year i think of him kind of like i i feel like you know thinking about him playing this season and watching the giants this year is like you're going to a party and you know your ex-girlfriend is there and it's like i hate her she sucks she treated me so terribly she's the worst i don't want to see her tonight but I'll totally hook up with her if right. she says hi to me. And I might even get back together with her if that hookup's a nice hookup. And, like, right, you right. know, like, right. I, that's kind of the attitude. But, no, I'm going into the season, or like... maybe it's the girl that you've been hooking up with who you don't really want to date. But if right. she's there and she looks good, you'll probably do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's just, like, either way, that's a terrible way to describe a person, and that's precisely how I feel about Daniel Jones. Right, right. And, yeah, yeah I'm open to liking him again, but right now, I don't like him. And that's that's basically it. Uh, I don't know. I hope the weapons matter. I hope it does. But, again, like, we got some speedsters, but you know, if we can't block anybody, then they don't have time to get down the field. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know, like I said, I feel like it's too early to even pay attention, but, right. um, uh, you know, you can tell yourself the story. I can talk myself into it and I will certainly be trying to over the next few weeks of why this could be fun. And it could be, um, but man, it's a it's a boy. The balls were juggling, were really <laughs> juggling them in the air, <laughs> and it could crash land in such uh, a bad way. So it's bad. just so fascinating. I mean, we're talking about John, we started this whole thing about John Mara and uh, you know it just where the Giants could find themselves if this year is a failure is like that to me doesn't seem to be getting discussed enough. Where it's like you know could be dark days could be a really weird i don't even know like i don't know what the move is you know like i don't know wh- what you would try to do if they go five and eleven this year and daniel jones is awful you know joe judge like are we really wow are we, are we moving on from him are we you know obviously gettleman would be gone but like what does that mean you know what i mean like yeah it would just be like what do we do <laughs> and especially because we just passed on Justin Fields, who by right. all reports is killing it. And right, what, great. what upsets me the most is I was really hoping that the Jets alone would have to wear the stink of passing on Justin Fields. But now that's that's gone. I've already been robbed of that. We passed on him too, and oh God. No, I mean we start we turn into like, you know, we become true laughing stock territory yeah oh absolutely <laughs> real like the old time bills the old time bangles like we get it gets really ugly for us yeah you know it's funny i was reading uh just shifting gears a little bit but i was reading about um 
you know, just some of the the actual position battles, like I said, are are really just about who's going to get cut and who who's at the bottom of the group. And I was reading about our linebacking group um, from Dan Duggan, and then I just remembered he didn't even mention it, but remember how upset everybody was when Ryan Connolly got cut. and it was like oh man it was like three days of giants twitter freaking out it's like who i had i had to look his name up last night i was like wait what was his name again what was that guy who cares (laughs) 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 oh god (laughs) it's so funny what you like convince yourself is going to be important especially when you've been like starved of and last year especially we were just starved of like sports and life generally so the ryan Connolly getting cut was like how dare you you right. know <laughs> it's like how ridiculous it's gonna seem when like frank nikilakina signs for one year four million dollar <laughs> deal with like the orlando magic this offseason and we're like what the right. <laughs> why did anybody waste a second talking about that guy <laughs> <laughs> oh wait hold on brian can you do an ad read or say something i have to go buzz the my buzzer just went off Sure. All right. Uh, let me do an ad read, folks. I don't have the ads in front of me, but you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Brooklyn Free Radio is what it is. We are in the community, I believe, and we're supporting you and you're supporting us. And, uh, you know, as it has been for everyone, it's been a difficult year uh, for us in this pandemic. So, uh we, you know, we use your financial gifts to stay on the air. So anything you can donate um, would be a big help to Radio Free Brooklyn as an organization and uh, the Giants Among Men show in general. Um, because we we don't personally benefit from those funds. But, you know, we want to stay on the air. We want to keep doing this show for you guys. I'm sure you want to listen to it. Um I wish that I knew these ad reads a little bit better because Scott usually does them and does them so elegantly and so seamlessly um, that I'm sure you barely even notice them listening at home. And right now, um, I'm doing them. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. That was a little weird. No problem. I think you're going to enjoy that when you... uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Oh, God. Um, yeah, my wife is at a Pilates class, so. Okay. Some... My son is just in the other room doing God knows what. Joanna took Alice somewhere. And I, my apartment, it could be on fire when I get out of this <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's no, no telling. Yeah. Nate is a bit of a roll-the-dice individual. Yeah. He lives by his own creed. Yeah. I like that, though. I like that about him. All right. Any more on the Giants or just whatever? We got to, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think we've expressed our depression enough. Um, yeah, a lot of we'll depression. move on to happier, happier topics. Yeah. Well, for example, college football playoff has expanded. Yay! I'm excited. Thank, thank goodness. Why on yeah, earth? is that official? Official? Like it's happening? Twelve teams, or it's like all? It's almost a done deal. Well, that's a good question. I. I mean, you can't back out now. Right. You've told the world. Everybody knows. There's like a million okay. articles about it. Um, so I, I don't know if it's official, but I, I I think I read on The Athletic that it could start as early as 2023. So okay. that's, you know, not a moment too soon, really. Uh, it's funny because 
why wasn't it always this? I don't under, I don't understand. I don't know. I mean, it's like such an American story, right? I mean, it's like we don't have healthcare in America, and it's like they tell you all these reasons why. Like, no, it's worse. It's not good. And then you're like, it's finally if it finally comes one day that we get point of care coverage. We're all going to be like, why was it ever the way that it was before? You know, and all the people are going to tell you, oh, they loved the bowls and we're going to miss the bowls and it was better before. Like, are you kidding? This is going to be so much fun. A 12 team tournament. It'll be great. Nobody will ever miss, you know, the Outback Bowl. I promise you. Like, <laughs> right. Who is missing the bowl? That's what I want. That's what I don't understand. Who misses the bowls? I don't know. Who? Somebody. Who, and also, it's like, none of them, like, they've all lost their muster years and years ago. Like, aside from the Rose Bowl, which one still has any, you know, like, what, the Fiesta Bowl? You still, like, you're just a big Tostitos guy? And, like, right. I don't believe you that you care about it. Like, the Orange Bowl doesn't have the same cachet it used to. Like, you know, the Sugar Bowl isn't really that big a deal. It's like, the Rose Bowl still means something to some people, and you can still play the game there, and it'll still be very cool. Right, and you could still right have your parade on January first. Who cares? Right. I don't care. <laughs> have why, your parade. Why do the rest of us have to get deprived of a super entertaining football tournament? I know because and, of your sentimentality. Yeah, none of that's. You're so right because the Rose Bowl was the only bowl that ever had any meaning. I mean, the Fiesta Bowl. What? A Fiesta? <laughs> right. They used to play it on Arizona State's campus, and now they moved it into the probably soulless, lifeless, whatever, University of Phoenix Stadium. An online university that no one has ever been proud to attend. It's named a stadium, and that's where they play that game. Right. You know, the Orange Bowl doesn't even exist anymore. The building, I mean. And they they play the Sugar Bowl in, like, what? The the Chick-fil-A Dome or whatever they call it? (laughs) Like... Who cares? What Who are we cares? talking about? <laughs> and I mean, that's just the bowl games. You know, one time I was arguing with somebody who was saying that, you know, it would take the meaning out of the, you know, I, he's, they, we were talking about like the bowls that get played on December 27th. And I said to him, who watches that game? Like two o'clock kickoff on December 27th. Who watches that game on ESPN? People who love football. And alums of the schools involved. Who's going to watch that game now that we have a 12-team playoff? People that love football. Gambling addicts. And right. alums of the school. Nothing. Nothing. It's, still, it's still something on TV that you're like, okay, sure, why not? Like, it doesn't do anything for that. Like, right. And, it, and it, it didn't. Nothing changed from when we had the old stupid just vote on it system. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, what do you think how long, man, we went, whereas, like, no, they, you can't have the teams play each other and, and have the winner win. Right. Let's just vote on who we all think was the best <laughs> team. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's just get a group of guys together, and they'll vote on it, and then we all accept their conclusion as correct. Okay? Yeah. That's the, that's the right system. And then the knots, people would tie themselves in trying to defend a system like that where it's like, right. yeah, but then but then you lose the debates and the debates bring so much passion and people love them. Like, right. what are you talking? Fine, let's cancel the NFL season and just debate it. Like, of course also, you wouldn't do never, that. You'll never end debates. They, the 68 teams get in the NCAA tournament and people still scream and yell that the 69th team should have been in. It's and so like, true. Who cares? 
And they're going to do it now at 12, uh, the 13 and 14 team. They're going to be arguing it should have been Boise State and blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever. You're yeah. never going to satisfy everybody. You'll always have that. And then also people who are saying that now the regular season is going to mean less. That's the opposite is true. The regular season already meant less. It meant right. less because everybody knew. Like, going into last year, you could pencil in Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Who's going to be the fourth one? And it, it, it like could have been a couple of teams, but that's it. You had three teams penciled in. So for so many other teams, it just didn't even matter. Like Penn yeah. State played us in the fourth game of the played Ohio State in the fourth game of the year. They lost to us. Penn State season ended that day. Right. I agree. That was always a problem with it. Was right. That you had certain teams, their seasons ended early. Like, yes, some games are going to feel a little less important because it'll be between two teams that are assured of a playoff spot. But you always had that problem. Yeah. And now you're going to have – it's going to be much more interesting at the end of the year. You're going to have a bunch of teams jockeying to get into this thing. You're going to have dozens of thrilling games, and the end of the season is going to be wild. Right. <laughs> And I, I do also kind of reject this idea that if, you know, I don't even, who knows if like uh, Wisconsin is the eighth seed and, and they're playing a Trevor Lawrence-less Clemson team that's, you know, a, a higher seed and Wisconsin wins. And it's like, well, then the worst team moves forward and we don't get the great game we would have gotten. Well, how do we know that Wisconsin wasn't as good as Clemson this particular year? They would not have played each other in a normal year. You know, we don't know that. And let them play, for God's right. sake. I don't know. It's just like any any negative is so outweighed by the benefits and the fun of the event and how amazing it's going to be and how exciting and how many many greater games you're going to get. You know, like you're going to get playoff games, which is with college fans in the stands. There'll be electric atmospheres like that whole last month of college football, it will be incredible. And it's going to grow the sport leaps and bounds. Which right. already It's already the freaking second most popular sport in the country. It, I, it'll be parts of the country. Well, it will be number one. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And, you know, I just... Uh, right. It used to be... It was so weird how, like, around Thanksgiving, the college football regular season ends... Then there's just sort of like meaningless background football on for like a month, but you don't really care. Right. And then after a month, all of a sudden you're locked in for either one or two or three games and that's it. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like now it's just like – it's such, that was so weird. Like I, that's another thing where it's like you just accepted it as normal forever because it's just what you were always used to. But now that it's changed and you actually describe it, it's like – that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> I followed Ohio State football intensely for 10 straight weeks, then took a month off, and then watched one game where everything was on the line. Like, right. that's bizarre. Right. The sport just hibernates for, like, four weeks for no reason. For no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, it's going to be super fun and super exciting and sounds great. And it'll get... Like, I lose interest in college football. This I'll watch the playoffs, for God's sakes. Yeah. Like, why not? Sounds great. Do you think that Greg Schiano has any shot to make Rutgers, like, even relevant within the Big Ten? I don't know. I guess maybe as good as they were the first time he was there seems on the table. Um, which, you know, depending on your definition of the word relevant, 
Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Were they relevant the first time he was there? Well, they were, but they weren't in the Big Ten at the time. Right. So he didn't have to, you know, deal was with his best. Who was his best team? He had one, like, quarterback that wasn't bad, right? And he had Ray Rice. He had Ray Rice, right. I don't know if it was a quarterback. I think he had Ray Rice on that team. Right. That was a big – they were still, what, the Big East then? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. They had, like – it was them, West Virginia, and one other team that, like, kind of, like, took each other out. But they were really, like, all really good games. Right. And really fun. I mean, who knows? I, I, I don't know. It just seems like the Northeast, we just can't do it. I don't, I don't know. New Jersey is pretty big with high school football. That's true. You know, and I could see a way to sell it. Like, if Shiano's a good enough coach, like, you know, you're spitting distance away from New York City. Uh, you have an opportunity to kind of, like, own the region. You know, like, even Syracuse is supposed to be New York's team. But, like, who can go to a Syracuse game? Like, it'd be pretty right. easy to go to a Rutgers game. That's true. You know, I, I feel like there's ways to sell it. If you can, and there's enough talent in this area, you gotta you could you're gonna have to supplement it from other places. But I mean, if you can, if look, if like Ryan Day can go down to Florida and convince somebody to move to Central Ohio, I don't see yeah. why you can't go down yeah. to Florida and be like, hey, you want to live like 20 minutes from New York City? Yeah. Well, that's the other thing about like a playoff is like, yes, it will be good for the halves, right? Like, of course, Alabama now knows they're gonna get in this thing every year, almost assuredly, but. Like other programs, I do think it allows – it gives you a better recruiting pitch, right? Of course. Like we can get in this 12-team playoff, and then you get this showcase for your talent. And, you know, you're going you're gonna to make other schools – you're going to have better competition for getting in this thing. Um, and you'll get more schools participating, and it'll be good for other programs. So, like – if you could, I think that's how you could, you know, I mean, if you look at what the NCAA tournament's done for certain programs, like Gonzaga is this national power. I mean, I know basketball is just a different thing for football because you don't need as many players. But still, I think you could see a school like that become like a perennial tournament team, um, whether it's a Boise State or somebody like that. Like, I could see that happening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, kudos to college football. Well done. Yes, like- it's nice to see something like solved. And just being like, yes, that's nice. That's better. That should have happened many years ago. Let's, you know, now maybe figure out a way to, like, stuff a little money in their pockets. And then that's really have done something here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's really captures, I think, the right tone of, of just civilization right now. It's nice to see something get fixed. Yes, that like should have happened a hundred years ago, and just like enough of your idiot arguments against why this totally obvious thing that should happen should happen. Right, and and the, uh, you know that it's not happening because of just entrenched, yeah, like nonsense. Yes. Right, yeah, just right because the wrong people make a lot of money off it being the wrong way, and right. they don't want to change it for the better because whatever it suits their interests somehow. Um, and it just can't get fixed. And it is like to finally go to a college football season where like there is a legit playoff for the championship will be such a refreshing change of yeah. life. I'm just like, well, this is right. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is how it should be. Now the filibuster. Right. right. <laughs> it's like when it's a good 
not similar, you know? Like Absolutely. Just, like people making nonsense arguments about why we have to keep something the same because it's been a certain way for a really long time and to change it will cause all kinds of unintended consequences when sometimes things need to be changed for the better and we just have to do it. Right. And right. And I don't care what your argument is. It makes no sense. So it's just like, right. I wish Joe Manchin would just be like, I'm not going to change it because I'm not going to change it. It doesn't make sense. But like, you know, I just look, I'm not changing it. That's it. Right. Because change is scary to me and I'm scared. And I have I can't. It's too complex for me. I can't really think it through all the way. And I'm nervous and I don't want to do it. Right. (laughs) Also, don't ask me like, don't tell me any reasons why it would work because I'm not interested in it. I don't want to know why it would be better. Right. True. I just want it to stay the same because things staying the same is better. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. We're doomed, Brian. We are doomed. Yeah. We're always doomed. (laughs) I don't know. What life gets better, doesn't it? I don't know. Does it? I don't know. Maybe. Has it? I don't know. I think so. Yeah, I guess. A little. Some people. Right. Sometimes. Certain contexts. Like, I guess we survived COVID. We did. Look at these. We got these vaccines. Science. Yeah. Now the climate thing. That's scary. That's really scary. Really bad. Not feeling that optimistic about that one. No, that, like, (laughs) that is, I'm, I'm scared of that one. I'm pretty nervous about it, too. It's like, feels like it's, you're like, keep it out of your mind. And then you're like, oh, boy. Right. Like I've get really ugly here in a few years. Yeah, I've thought to myself, like, will I be in this apartment holding my family in my arms as we all freeze to death together? Right, because or the water is like are just in your window or something. Right, and we can't we escape. It's too late. We can't go, and it's just it's gonna be yeah. horrid, and we're gonna watch each other. At least if we do live through the worst climate of the climate catastrophe, like the worst doomsdayers, if they prove correct, like we will get a pretty great I told you so to conserve it. (laughs) (laughs) That'll make it all worth it. I told you this was going to happen. Right. (laughs) You know, Trump will be out there. The water's not coming. That's not water. That's that's liberal tears. Just keep running. Keep going to work. Or they'll just be like nuking parts of the world that are problematic on fire yeah whatever yeah Yeah. (laughs) well everyone thanks for joining us for another uplifting episode (laughs) of the giants among men podcast we'll come back next week it's gonna be even better here on radio free brooklyn as always i'm scott ishii with brian amena those are our optimistic takes for the week week. why another holocaust (laughs) (laughs) Uh, see you next week everybody (laughs) 